0: come cheap. Look at your neighbor all the way away. (laughs) Say you did not come cheap. You were pretty expensive. In fact, say it like this. Say you cost a life. Say in order for you to live, someone had to die. Was it worth it? Ask them, say, were you worth it? All right. I can tell you this. I can tell you what I know is the God that I know, Yahweh, the living God, with everything in Him, He really, 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 really wants you to make it. He really, 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 really wants you to make it. No matter where you're at, no matter the condition of your life, no matter what failures you think you've committed and you can't overcome, I can tell you today, He really, really wants you to make it. No matter how many people dislike you, no matter how many people like you, no matter how many people have told you. There's no hope, I can tell you, the Father really, really, really wants you to make it. I was driving in this morning uh, to get ready for service uh, over at the offices, and when I was driving in, I was having some thoughts about being ahead of the curve and some of the things that I shared just a moment ago. And when I was thinking about all of that, I won't go into the details, but as I was reflecting on all of that, I never said the words, even though I knew Yahweh was saying to me in my spirit, He was saying... There's so much I want you to press into. There's things you don't know I really want you to press into. Things you haven't done I really want you to press into. And I never said the words I can't, but I was thinking in myself, I can't do what I don't know how to do. That's what I was thinking in my mind. How many have ever thought that? Go ahead, be honest. I can't do, and all of you online, raise your hand. I can't do what I don't know how to do. And as I was thinking that, he rebuked me. And he reminded me of something that my father used to say when I was growing up. I had an amazing dad that raised me, loved me, cared for me, comforted me, guarded me, protected me. I never felt unsafe, I never felt uncertain, I never uh, felt like I was less of a human um, compared to anybody else. Uh, he, made sure that, um, I was, uh, he made sure that I was, he made sure that I could grow up confident. And um, and he prepared me in a lot of ways, but he used to have this saying that he would say all the time. If if he asked me to do something, or my brother or sisters or any of us kids, he would ask us to do something. If, If any of us ever said to him, but I can't, I don't know how, I can't do that, I don't know how to do that. My dad always would say this, and I still hear his voice very clearly, a thousand times, times a thousand. And he would say, son, can't never could do anything. And I remember the first time that he said that in the beginning when he would say that, I would think to myself, he would say it to somebody else, I don't understand what that means, can't, never, could do anything, until the day he said it to me. And when he began to say it to me, it began to make sense, because I would say, Dad, I can't do that. Or if he said, Son, I want you to go out there and pick all the raspberries by 10 o'clock. I can't do that. I want to sleep till 7, which never happened. And, well, can't, never, could do anything. If you think you can't do it, the raspberries don't get picked. We don't eat raspberries because they rot on the vine. Okay, what's the problem with that? (laughs) But he said, can't never could. Yeah, wrong answer. Can't never could do anything. Meaning, as long as you believe you can't do it, you never will. It will never happen. And he said it all, all the time. Well, I watched my father growing up, obviously. And as I watched my father, one of the things that uh, he did and was very good about doing, and I shared with the team this morning before we came out, is... My dad, if I thought I was not able to do something, if I was incapable of doing anything, whatever the tool was, whatever the job was, whatever the requirement or the ask was that he asked me to do, if I thought that I couldn't do it, my dad never, I don't recall a single time, even once, that he ever showed me how to do a single thing, and yet he showed me how to do everything. But never one time did my dad ever say, okay, come and watch me do it, and then you'll be able to do it. But the all I remember my dad doing was saying, you can do it. Don't say you can't, can't, never could. You can, and now what I want you to do, son, is I want you to go figure out how to do it. And when you figure it out, come and show me what you learned. And I remember I shared this story this morning, I've shared it with you before, but in this finger right here, I've got a scar right there, right in the middle of my finger, and on the other side, this one you can barely see because it's in a crease, but there is a scar right there coming right out just beside the bone of my finger. And I was about 12 years old, and I remember uh, working on the lawnmower with my dad, and the blade, blade, something was wrong with the blade, so we were trying to take the blade off of the lawnmower while I I wanted to help my dad. He was very mechanical, and I am very mechanical, and I enjoyed that stuff, and I was helping him, and we put the socket on the wrench, and we put the wrench on the nut, and we were turning the nut. Well, as you know, anybody that's ever turned a nut that was hard to turn, um, it got stuck in there, and when we, we finally broke it loose, but the nut was stuck inside the socket, and my dad said, get that nut out of that socket, and I tried to, you know, do everything, and It wouldn't come out, you know, all the things that you do, try to knock it out. It just would not come out of the socket. And, and, my, and I said, Dad, I can't do it. He said, same thing you always said, can't, never could do anything. Well, how do I get it out? He said, there's a way. Well, how do I do it? I'm going to get a cup of water. When I come back, you figure it out and let, tell me what you figured out. Yeah. And that's what he did. So he walked all the way up to the house. I was in the back 40. He walked all the way up to the house, and he got a glass of water. By the time he came out there, I'm, I'm bleeding. I got my finger. I've, I've taken a screwdriver. This little bitty screwdriver and i've held that i've pulled the socket off of the wrench so i've got and i'm pushing down in that little hole with a screwdriver trying to push that nut out and it worked yeah. the nut came out and the screwdriver went right through my finger right into the ground so i am shish kebabbed oh. into the soil so my dad comes out and I'm, my finger's still on the ground because I'm 12 and I'm, I don't want to bleed to death or die. And I'm trying to figure out what do I do. I'm stuck in the ground. And my dad comes out, what are you doing? I'm stuck. What do you mean you're stuck? Well, you told me to figure out how to get the, so- the nut out of the socket. I got it. And the screwdriver is all the way through my finger. He said, well, pull your finger out of the ground. I pull my finger up, screwdrivers all the way through. I hold it up. It looks like the cross of Jesus. <laughs> takes me up. Takes me to the hot emergency room. We get to the emergency room. Long story short, they pull it out and do everything that they had. That did not feel good. They did everything. But you know what I learned? My dad had a really easy way of getting that socket out. Told me later. Now that I'm, see, that was my first, that was my introduction to being Holy you didn't get it think about it hole in my finger at 12 it's holy and what I learned was you never get a socket a nut out of a socket with a screwdriver you never get a nut out of a socket with a screwdriver And my dad, you know what he did when we got home and I got a band-aid on there and a thing on there and a stitch in there and everything and it's all doing its thing. And I get home, my dad says, now let me show you what you do. And he takes that nut, puts it back in that socket, and he tightens it just enough to break it loose. It It would have broken it loose. He said, you just tighten it just a little bit further. When you hear it pop, it's loose. Then you loosen it back up and it falls right out. And you didn't have to bleed. But my dad's perspective was son can't never could do anything and i'm willing to let you drive that screwdriver all the way through your finger to learn to never use that screwdriver in that way again i'm willing to let you make mistakes for an opportunity for a do-over and i watched my dad all my life we lived in a not all my life but when i lived with my father on Averill Street, in this little pink house. It was pink, it was ugly, but it was what we had. With seven kids and two adults, a one bedroom, two, a two bedroom, one bathroom house that I grew up in. And I watched my father take care of this family and teach us lessons by not giving us the answers, but instead by saying, I've got the answer. But it's important to me that you figure it out because then you will value that answer. That's right. It's good. The lessons that I learned from my father are invaluable even today and I will never ever forget what those lessons did for me. When my father passed away in 2013, I miss him still every single day. And I wish in many ways, I could get a do-over, especially for a few particular years of my life, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old. I wish I could go back to that time and include him more in my life when I was finding my individuality and felt like I, he was not as necessary. I didn't really need him. I wish I could get a do-over and go back and include myself more in his life and let him include himself more in mine. I'm so thankful that the years that went by, if I tell you today the last Christmas that I spent with my father, it would be impossible because I would have no way of telling you. I don't know the last Christmas I spent with my father. Nor do I know the last Christmas I spent with my mother who's watching online right now. I couldn't tell you how many, not years, decades ago it was. The last Christmas. If there was something I could do over, there were things I could do over, I would. And I know this about my dad. If he were still alive today and he heard me preaching this message... I think that my father would call me immediately after this service, or if he were watching online he would be chatting beside the screen right now like many of you probably are. But I think my father would say to me, son, your do-over came. As you grew up and you begin to look to me again, your do-over came. I will never forget the day that my father stood here and some of you, many of you were here present when he stood up and bawled like a baby, because he didn't understand the ministry of Steve Parker and Kim Parker and what we were getting in this kingdom thing when we first got into it. But I remember the day he stood up right back here on this little row back about halfway back, and he stood up and he bawled like a baby, and he said, I can't tell you how proud, and he looked at all of you, and he said, I want you to know how proud I am and what I see today that wasn't easily seen before. And those moments are do-overs. That's when we get the opportunity. You know, we miss things. We miss moments in life. We miss uh, doorways. We'll walk right beside them thinking that it belongs to someone else and it might belong to us. We miss these things. And the Father says, He wants you to know. He wants me to know. If you're watching today and you're listening to my voice, I'm not talking to the righteous. And I'm not talking to the unrighteous. I am talking to whosoever will. Hear me. Whosoever will, listen to me today. But the Father said, I'm not counting the times that you walk past the door. I'm counting on the moment you walk in the door. Did you hear me? He said, I'm not counting on how many times you walk past the door. I am counting on the moment that you will walk in the door. Because you might have walked past it a thousand times a thousand. And every time you walk by it and that door is still there, it is your opportunity for A do-over. Let's get this right. So many times, so, so, so many times in history. Turn with me in your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3, please. So many times in history, we've been given opportunities for do-overs, both as nations and as individuals, um, many, many, many times. And I'm going to ask you a question, how has that worked out? Whether it's nations or whether it is individuals, how has all of the do overs worked out? America is not the first democracy. Rome is. Or Greece. America is not the first democracy. Democra- democracies before us collapsed, none made it more than 200 years. We're the first to make it as long as we have. But they would fall under the weight of, in the beginning it was about the people, to in the end the collapse became about the government. Our time's coming. But the do-overs had to come again and again and somebody else had to step in because when the government gets too big, everything begins to implode upon itself because when the government is bigger than the people the people cannot sustain the weight of it upon their shoulders and it is always about entitlement always the root the seed is entitlement that begins to cause government to grow in the way that it does this is not a soapbox this is simply the facts Um, argue them at your own peril but each democracy after the last believed that this is the do-over we're going to correct what was wrong before this And in the beginning they do but slowly but surely with a tide with a storm something comes that causes people to fear begins to develop in the people listen to what i'm telling you today something comes that was unexpected people were unprepared of it begins to develop a fear in them and then fear begins to drive them. And it is where fear drives them that suddenly it is a reliance upon I can't. Remember, can't never could do anything. They begin to believe because of this fear, it is impossible for me to overcome this moment, this hurricane, this storm, this, whatever, this wave, these winds. I can't overcome this. I need someone to rule over me that can help me make decisions that I can't make on my own. And every time the father's saying, can't, never could do anything. If you're going to get a do-over, do it all the way over. I want to refer back to the graphic that starts this service. If you look at the top, if you're watching on your Bible app, you'll see the do-over, and you can throw it up there. Might be on, it is on the screen, and you can see the stump of wood. If you'll put it on screen online for a moment as well, you can see it's an interesting graphic that a, a, a lady developed for me out of Lake County. And she made this graphic because I told her what I wanted. And she came up with this graphic and she said, I think this really represents what it is you're seeking. And and as I looked at this, I said, you nailed it. Because it is an old stump, an old tree stump that has been cut off because it was incapable of producing life anymore, supposedly. An old tree stump that was cut down. And out of the middle of that stump, you see new growth, the Uh do-over. We stopped absorbing the nutrients like we needed to before. We became a stump, but there's a do-over opportunity, and new life is coming out of the middle of it. In my yard, in my own yard, at my house, I've cut down, I don't even know how many trees now, and I continue to cut, and I continue to burn them. I'm always fascinated by, I've cut down, I think, 20, Around 21 trees now. And, and I've cut those with a chainsaw, chopped them up, and then I put them out on a burn pile and I burn them. My burn pile is about 10 feet in circumference. And that's what it is. It's about 10 feet, this area. It is amazing that all of these trees, if stacked upon one another, would fill a, a room bigger than this. <clears throat> it is amazing that when those things are burned, you can't even... The level of my ground hasn't risen a quarter of an inch. All of that wood has been burned up so that there is nothing left. And yet, at the stump of all of those trees, every single stump, not one or two, every stump where a tree was cut down, there are little shoots growing out. Every single one of them. Until I have to get me a stump grinder, I'm going to go out there and grind those stumps down. Because they want a do-over. It is normal. It is breathing us to want to get it right. We just want to get it right. On our worst day, we just want to get it right. Ooh, I didn't do it right the first time. I let those beetles get into me. But I want to do it right. Give me another chance. You've cut off the bad wood. Now let this good stuff grow forth. I've got two beautiful crepe myrtles that I've grown out of a crepe myrtle that I had hacked some of the roots out. But I left a little piece of the root, didn't realize it. And two crepe myrtles grew out of it. And I cut one down one year. And I transplanted it. And it's beautiful, man. It has these beautiful purple flowers in my yard. Just out of this little thing. And it just was this, you know, just a leaf popped up. And I let it get about three feet high. And then I cut it. And, tra- and then this year, another one. And it's beautiful. I've got it by my pool. And it's growing and it's beautiful. They're saying, they're crying out. Ah, one more chance. One more, chance. <laughs> one more time. And I'll bloom. I'll bloom purple or white or pink or yellow or whatever color I am. I'll bloom because everything wants a do over everything. But all through history, we've been given opportunities over and over and over again for a do over and in the natural over and over and over again, we keep getting the same result. But I'm going to tell you something about the God that we serve. That's really cool. One of the things that the father does is, yes, he lets us, like my dad did, he lets us make mistakes, and he lets us find a path, and he lets us find a way, and he lets us learn from those paths, and it's what we do during that process of learning. It's what we do during that process of learning that determines if our outcome will be like histories or if our outcome will make history. What are we going to do? So in Lamentations, it reads like this. It says, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. I cannot forget how uh, I am. But this I call to mind. In the middle of all of my, uh, I remember this. And because I remember this that I'm about to say, it gives me hope. The steadfast love of the Lord is never ending it never ceases and his mercies never ever come to an end they are new every time i get up and eat my Optavia cereal every morning great is your faithfulness great is your faithfulness father every day every day every day everybody say every day, every day. i get a do-over Every single morning I get a do-over. More than that, every time I need a do-over, I get a do-over. I set out this week, this last week. I set out. I wanted to make a concrete tabletop. I looked online. There's seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars for a concrete tabletop. I thought I am not paying somebody seven or eight hundred bucks for concrete <laughs> ever ever. So I said to my wife, wife, wife? I didn't say wife. <laughs> I'm going to find a way. I'm going to make a concrete table because we've got old table legs in our back patio with a bad tabletop that needs to be replaced. Legs are great. Tabletop's terrible. I said, I'm going to make a concrete tabletop. I'm going to find out on YouTube. And I YouTube DIY Pete subscribe. He's really cool. Pay me, Pete. (laughs) And I Googled it. And I went on there and I saw, well, first it wasn't Pete. It was some other guy. And he said, oh, yeah, do this, do this, and use this kind of rapid set, whatever, and it set in 15 minutes. I'll tell you, I haven't preached in four weeks. I have a lot to say today. I'm sorry. (laughs) He said, you do this, 15-minute rapid set mortar, blah, 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 blah. But I needed four bags of concrete because the table is three foot by five foot, so I needed four bags of mortar. So I get four bags of rapid-set mortar. I mix the first bag. It sets in 15 minutes. I'm not a concrete guy. I mixed that concrete up, it was beautiful. It was putty, exactly. Everything it said in the video, everything. Man, I mixed it up, I put it in my bucket, I poured it in the thing, I went over there and got another bucket and I'm about to pour it in I go over there and I pour it on there. By the time I pour it on I realized you know in the, in, the, in the beach, when you go to the beach and you're building a sandcastle and you drizzle the sand and it kind of stacks on itself? That's what my concrete did. And I poured the next one and it didn't flatten out. So I took my trowel and I just hit it. It was as so hard as a rock, that fast. I ruined it. It was terrible. And I said to my wife, she said, how'd your table come out? And I said, it was wonderful. I built a model of the Rocky Mountains. And she took a picture. I said, that didn't go the way it was supposed to go. But I I didn't give up. I have the mold. I dumped that thing out. The top side of it looked amazing. It was like an iceberg. The top of it is just beautiful, this little thing. The bottom was like this treacherous whatever. And so I thought, I can do this again. So yesterday I went and I got my concrete, but I didn't get quick set. I didn't get that 15-minute set before you can pour another bucket in there, concrete. I got the kind that takes you like two days and you can like have lunch and breakfast and dinner and sleep for 24 hours before you have to come back. I got that concrete out there, 80 pound bag, man, I'm mixing it, mixed it up, poured it, mixed it, poured it, mixed it, I'm doing a YouTube video, by the way, you can watch it, subscribe to my channel. And so I poured it and put it in there, leveled that thing up, my wife came out, she said, that looks amazing. I went out there this morning at 5.30 this morning to spray it down. I pulled a little plastic off the back of it. It looks incredible. I got a do-over. Do you know what, when you, you get those moments, so you get a do-over whenever you want to. It's promised, every day is another day. Every day is another opportunity, but in the middle of every day, you might have a day in the day. You might have a moment in the moment. The awesome thing about the Father is, you are bought with a price, you are expensive. And he's not going to say to you, oh, you built a model of the Rocky Mountains when you're supposed to be making a concrete tabletop. Shame on you. You're going to hell, a pitiful thing. That's not God. It's not the God I serve. And that's not the reason he sent Christ for you and me so that he could look at us and say, oh, you're a Rocky Mountain model. And you should have been a concrete tabletop. That's not, that's not him, but we get a do-over, and we get do-overs whenever we need them, and he makes them do Now, he's not looking for us to say, hey, you know what? Mm, I'm going to need a do-over at 2 o'clock tomorrow because of what I'm going to do at 1. We don't get to plan our do-overs. It doesn't work that way. I'm going to schedule in a do-over for 4 o'clock on Thursday. For what? Well, you'll see at noon. It'll all become clear. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. Certainly, even in those moments, is he forgiving? You're expensive. You're expensive. And he doesn't cast off sons, he doesn't cast off daughters. One of the things I loved about the movie The Chosen, did I tell you about The Chosen? One of the things that I loved about The Chosen was the the depiction of each of the disciples and how uh, Christ was less interested in their failures and more interested in their potential. He was not interested in where they are. He was interested in what their possibilities were. He saw their tomorrow. He did not care about their today. But another thing that I love about him and the whole thing of The Chosen is he knows when to love them with grace and he knew when to draw the lines. He knew when to look at somebody who had no hope of change and say, "Mm, don't got time for you. But I'll take time for this leper that everybody thinks will disease them and bring sickness upon them, but I'm going to take time for them. I'm going to take time for this guy over here because he came to me. I didn't have to hunt him down. He came to me. Mm, mm. So remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. Has anybody ever had any of those? Anybody have one this morning? Hush. Remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall, my soul continually. I I can't help in the middle of all of my, "Uh!" to think about how incredibly awesome you are and that you see me as valuable. The steadfast love of my God does not cease. It doesn't count my failures. It doesn't add up. You're not keeping an Excel spreadsheet of all the moments I came up short. You are not doing that. You are always providing a doorway. And when I walk past it, you're saying, come again, come again, come again, come again. I can tell you that I want to touch three things today, three points. One, life is a lesson. Two, lessons are an experience. And the last one is experience leads to maturity. Let's address this very quickly this morning. Before I get to the life as a lesson, I want to talk about, uh, for just a second, what I said a moment ago, fear, and the way people react. This whole COVID thing, what it does is it reveals some things about people. And and do you know what fear does? Can I just say this? I'm going to plug this real quick. I'm going to plug a, a pet peeve of mine. Because sometimes we need to do over when we find we responded to something. Even in our trust in the Father, we still might not have responded correctly in a given moment. And I can tell you this, that fear is always more comfortable in Egypt than it is crossing the Red Sea. Fear is always more comfortable when someone else is making decisions for them than it is when they have to decide for themselves, I've got the guts to cross this thing. I'm going to get through this thing. When you think about the Israelites, when they stood in front of that Red Sea, and they knew there was an enemy behind them, and they didn't know what might be in front of them, but what they knew was between them was a sea that needed to be crossed. And they looked at that thing, and their only hope was, Moses, I hope you've heard well. And in the middle of that is, they begin to hear the, Stampede of horses behind them, the enemy coming upon them. In the middle of all of that, fear begins to arise. And when one person has fear, the next person has fear. And then you got this news station back in the Israelite days, Channel Yaffa Yaffa over here, and telling everybody, You're about to die. Don't you see how close they are to you? You're about to die. Then you got another, you just got all these opposing voices and you don't know which voice to listen to, and they don't listen to the right voice, the voice of the Father, fear begins to build. Just begins to grow. And you know what fear does? Fear makes the people in the back begin to say to the person in front of them, who says to the person in front of them, who says to the person in front of them until it gets all the way to Moses, we want to go back to Egypt. We were better off in a land where people told us how to live than getting to a place where we get to live by our own discretion. We don't want to be responsible for our decisions. We want, somebody, we want somebody else to be responsible for us. Fear will always drive people back to Egypt. It will never cause them to go to a place where faith is required to live. I encourage you today, if you're watching online or you're in this room right now, we get a do-over. And if you've been operating by fear because of COVID-19, if you've been afraid of COVID-19, you shouldn't be. You don't have to be. You get a do-over today. COVID-19 didn't come for you. And it wasn't sent for you. COVID-19 came because it came. Because somebody in unrighteousness made opportunity for COVID-19 to appear. But I'm telling you, when COVID-19 comes to your gate, if the blood of the Lamb is over your door, the door of your life, if you've honored Christ and you're honoring the Father, I'm going to tell you, fear has no place in you. has no place in you. Do you hear me today? Don't go back to Egypt. When Canaan is just on the other side of the water. So life is a lesson. We live and we die is what has been said when they try to put it into simple terms. We live and we die and that is the best that we can hope for. I'm going to ask you a question. Is it? Do you believe that living and dying is the best that we can hope for? That being born is simply uh, an opportunity or is being born, is it a tragedy? What is it? It depends on the the person. Depends on the people you're talking about. Life is a lesson in this way. As we grow up, we begin to develop how we feel about living, how we feel about life. We all know people who live life to the fullest. On the worst day, they are in the best mood. Everybody around them is speaking doom and gloom. And they're like, oh, did you see the pretty purple? That's my wife. My wife, is like, the world is going down around her. And my wife will be driving down the road. Those are the most beautiful purple flowers I've ever seen. I'm like, did you hear anything that I just said? Yeah, but I, I like the view of the flowers more. She's the most positive person optimistic person I have ever known. Because in the middle, it doesn't matter, not that I'm not optimistic or positive, not that I'm saying to her, oh, we're going to hell and we're doomed. I'm not saying that. Don't get that all wrong. What I am saying is, let's see if I can do this right. She sees the flowers more often than I do. Because I'm a fixer. I see things and I want to fix things. She sees things that are broken and she wants me to fix them. (laughs) She recognizes my anointing and I recognize hers. Hers is to remind me that it's a beautiful creation and opportunity that we have. Mine is to remind her I'm always here to fix it baby. But as we grow and as we have life experiences, life is a lesson. These things that we get, the moment we take our first breath, we're learning things, what tastes good, what feels good, what hurts, what doesn't hurt, what's cold, what's hot. From the very beginning, we're learning all these things in life as we grow. We're learning what appeals to us, what doesn't appeal to us, what, what do we want to be a part of, what don't we want to be a part of. And, and all of these things begin to develop our mentality and the way that we live and, our, and growing up how we see things and how we absorb what's going on around us. And many of you that are in this room or watching online today, you've got experiences, even as I'm speaking, in your mind, you're, you're, you think about it. It's really easy for you to consider the moments that got you where you are right now. And I want to tell you today, wherever you are right now, whatever your life lessons have created in you, there is an opportunity Right this second, not when I'm finished speaking today, but right now for you to get a do-over. You get a do-over right now because you say, Father, I accept this moment is my opportunity to change the outcome of my past. Now, now, one of our first lessons is to decide whether we will live with intention or we accept apparent what seems to be our fate. I have, we're all different. I can only speak for me. So I don't want it to sound like I'm talking about me, but I'm going to use this example. It's the only one I know to use that I can use with absolute honesty. I can tell you I've always been a person that always is looking for something good. The possibility to come out of this. I've never accepted failure. Never accepted. I can't think of a single time in my whole life where I looked at the situation and thought, it's finished. No matter what the circumstances, I have always been, and that's not optimism as much as it is maybe again going back to my dad saying, can't, never could do anything. Even when it didn't work, you still can do it right. You still can do it over again so all of our lessons are teaching us to decide am I going to live with intention in other words am I going to press into this thing with the intent I'm going to finish it no matter what happens between here and the finish line or am I going to accept oh, it's not going to get any better, and this is the best it's ever going to get. There's no chance. I don't have any hope. I don't, this hasn't happened yet. That hasn't happened yet. This, is this ever going to come? I'm just going to give up and just say, forget it. It wasn't meant for me. No, 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 no. It is meant for you. If it's in your heart, it's meant for you. If it's in your heart, it's meant for you. Sydney, if it's in your heart, it's meant for you. If it's in your heart, Sarah, it's meant for you. If it's in your heart, Tim, it was meant for you because it isn't in your heart because it stumbled into your heart. It's in your heart because the Father went and made it happen in your heart. So accept that it's in you because the Father put it there. now what you do with that is Take back the whole fate mentality and say, you know what? I'm going to live with intention and I'm going to keep doing this thing right. And I'm going to keep saying, sometimes intention, the best we get is the faith that we have. And say, Father, I don't see how it's going to happen, but I'm going to live with intention by saying, I trust you. I trust you. And I don't see the outcome, but I know the outcome will be yours. I'm living with intention. This is my life. And those are things that begin to develop in us from the very first time we breathe our breath. Because of our life experiences. And we have to come to a place. Sometimes we just need a do-over. And when we recognize we're looking around life. And the lessons that we've accepted have been lessons that told us. Doesn't matter what I do. It's not going to change. Sometimes we need a do-over. We just need to say, Father, forgive me. I repent. And I'm going to start a do-over right now. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to live my life with intention. And if it's in my heart, I am going to see it through. Amen. Lessons are an experience. Each lesson learned will mark us with an indelible memory. Every single lesson that we learn. I will never forget pushing that screwdriver through my finger. I don't remember today what it felt like. I'm pretty certain it didn't feel good. But I will never forget that screwdriver being. I'll never forget driving all the way to to the emergency room. And I'm sitting in the back seat of that old Buick LeSabre, that old green Buick LeSabre, and I'm looking at this screwdriver as a 12-year-old kid, and I'm looking at the screwdriver in my finger thinking, I just want to get it out. And I, I it's it's weird, it's gross, um, and all the thoughts that were in my head, and I'll never forget going in there, that doctor's room, and that emergency room, and he put that betadine or whatever it is on there that makes you scream like a girl, and it stung real hard. And he pulled that thing out, and when he pulled mmm yeah that's exactly right and I will never forget that these lessons but it marked me that memory every time I get a nut stuck in a socket that my memory that etched memory comes back to me don't even go to the screwdriver door drawer <laughs> yeah. stay away put that thing back on there tighten it till it breaks loose and then take it off it marks us that etches an outcome good or bad in our minds it's like a painting and we decide how we respond to these things. We get to decide, is it a Mona Lisa? Is it a catastrophe? <laughs> Something that I would paint? It's, is it a Rocky Mountain mold? Or is it a concrete tabletop? We get to decide. Because all of these lessons throughout life are an experience for us. But I'm going to tell you, every experience, your experiences don't get to determine whether or not you get a do-over. you hearing me this morning. Psalms 25.4 reads like this. Show me your ways, Lord, and teach me your paths. Show me your ways and teach me your paths. I want my experiences to be what you are revealing to me, what you are showing me. I don't even have to understand them all. But show me your ways. I want to see how you do what you do. And I want to do it the best that I possibly can. I want to be faithful over it the best that I possibly can. Show me your ways, Lord. Say it with me. Show me your ways. Your ways. And teach me your paths. Yeah. And then lastly, exper- <laughs> Ow. Experience, experience leads to maturity. All of our experiences produce something in us. And how we manage those experiences determine what is produced. I can tell you again, I remind you again, you did not come cheap. You did not come cheap. When the father sent his son, and I, again, I, I'm going to, well, let me say this first. When God sent Jesus Christ into the earth as the second Adam, because the first failed, even the father, even the father believed in a do-over. He is our first example. He said, I sent the first Adam. And he came up short. So I'm going to get a do-over for these folks. And I'm going to send a second one. It's my last one. But I'm going to send a second one. And if I show them that I can do that, maybe they'll accept it too. Maybe they too can accept that they haven't done enough to be counted out. Because they didn't come cheap. And I value my sons. I value my investments. I value those who possess my breath. So then, in Colossians 2, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7 says, Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. I think one of the best things any of us can do, there's a couple that's part of this house that's not here this morning, but Holy Spirit told me what to do the next time I see them. And I'm going to tell you what that is. I won't tell you who they are, but I'm going to tell you what that is. They're probably watching right now, and they don't know who they are, but they will when I do this. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do because I was told to do it. But Holy Spirit brought them to my attention today, in this morning, and he said, the next time you see them, I want you to walk up to them, and I want the first thing that you do, I want you to lay your hands on both of their heads, and I want you to give thanks for my faithfulness in their life. He said, and then I want you to tell them that thankfulness is the power behind faith. Thankfulness is the power behind faith. To be thankful to the Father says, I believe you can do anything. I have faith that you've never uttered a word that will come up short. I have faith you've never spoken a word that will come up short. Thankfulness is the power behind faith. And I'm going to lay hands on this couple and they'll know why. But I'm going to lay hands on them, and I'm going to say just that. No more, no less. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness to this couple. Because by saying to the Father, thank you for your faithfulness, we are saying the faith that was invested in this moment is marked by the power of our thankfulness to you. I want to tell you something today. I want to encourage you today be thankful don't let a moment go by as this verse in Colossians says where you are not overflowing with thankfulness I don't pray over my food when I sit at the dinner table I don't ask God uh, make sure this food doesn't poison me or do any of that I give thanks Father, every time I I sit at the table with my family or friends, Father, thank you for your provision. Thank you for what you've provided. For me to have to say, Father, take away the poison and the sickness or whatever's in there every time, means that someone's trying to hurt me. And I don't know anybody that is. But if I ever do, as I've said before, if I ever do say, Father... Make sure the deadly things that are in this won't hurt me. First of all, if I have to pray that way, I'm not, why eat it? Why would I even eat it? It's just stupid. Oh, I try not to say that word. But I say, Father, thank you. Position yourself because today we have a do-over. And, and if you find that you are one, I'm looking into the camera today, looking at you too. I want to make sure and always include you. But if you find that you are one, you're never thankful for anything. Everything, every time you look around you, you see doom and gloom. You see hopelessness. In your world, it looks like it's just never going to work out. Why, would I, why do I want to even try anymore? I'm telling you, you have the opportunity for a do-over today. Begin this way. Begin by saying, Father, forgive me first of all, because I've begun to trust in the powers that be around me instead of the power that is in me. Yeah. Father, I repent of that. And then secondly, I'm going to overflow with thankfulness. And even though I might not see a lot to be thankful for, I'm going to find a, even a small thing. And I'm going to say, oh, there it is. That is. I'm very thankful for that. Good. Nobody else might be able to see. Everybody else might, what are you looking at? I see it, that little spot right there. I'm thankful. Oh, I'm going to overflow. I'm going to be thankful. And you're going to find out that little spot is going to grow. Because God loves thankfulness. Because every time we say thank you, we are saying to him, you did it for me. You did it for the guy you bought. You did it for the guy that didn't come cheap. You did it for the guy that matters to you. And I get a do-over. And I'm going to do it over right. And if I do it over today, right this morning, and I don't do it right tonight, I'm going to get up in the morning when your mercies are new, when your grace is still sufficient, more than sufficient, and I'm going to say, Father, I get a do-over. Right. I'm overflowing with thankfulness today. Some folks might be saying, I don't have a job. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm not going to be working, but I'm going to be thankful because I'm breathing air. Yes, sir. I got some clothes on my body. I don't have to walk around naked. I got food in my belly. I don't have to walk around starving. I don't know what you got to be thankful for, but overflow with thankfulness. I'm gonna tell you, and the father gets right in the middle of it, and he says, oh man, I like this. Yes, Somebody needs to hear what I'm telling you today, because that's what he wants to do for you and me. You did not come cheat, and you have opportunity for a do-over today. Let's do it over right. Let's change the way we talk. Let's change the things that we can change, the things that we can't change. Let's let him begin to instruct us and teach us and show us, amen? Yeah. We can do it, you and me. We can do it, it, you and me. We can do it. You and I, when we walk this thing out by word and by spirit and we trust the Father, we don't just live for another day. We live so that we can live in another day. He is a faithful God and he loves you. Father, I lift my voice today And I pray today for lost people to come home. I pray for those who are unrighteous today, wherever they might be watching today. If they're watching on the other side of that lens today and they believe with all their heart, there is no way that he would ever forgive me for all that I've done. Father, I am asking right now, forgive, 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 forgive today. Set the captive free. Deliver the oppressed. Whoever they might be that might be watching today, I pray for you. And I pray today that you understand that God loves you and that you don't come cheap and he made an investment into you. And no matter where you are, no matter what you do or do not understand, it doesn't change how he feels about you. Whosoever will come, Whosoever will, come. Those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, come. Those who aren't even interested, I bid you come. Come. Let the anointing of the holy God we serve change you in the same way he's changed us. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Hallelujah. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for sons and daughters. I thank you for the anointing of God that causes those of bewildered man to find his place. I thank you today. Woo! You are a good, good, good God. And we honor you. Great is your faithfulness. Amen, 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 and amen, and amen, amen. Come on, put your hands together this morning.